Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I am here in studio with my friend Kyle Hoffsmith. Kyle is the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. He's one of the hosts of the Word and Youth Ministry Podcast, which is sponsored by our good friends over at CPYU. Welcome, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me today. Ah, that's my joy. Uh, Hey, can you tell us a little bit about the Word and Youth Ministry Podcast? What's that all about? And why should everyone go subscribe and listen to it after this episode is over? Yeah, after after you uh, subscribe to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, then you should come to the Word and Youth Ministry. Uh, Yeah, as Mike said, I am a youth pastor in Canfield, which is Northeast Ohio, about an hour south of Cleveland and an hour west of Pittsburgh, for those who are listening who have sports teams located in one of those cities, uh, or sports enemies located in one of those cities. (laughs) True. Uh, um, uh, But yeah, I'm a youth pastor here and serve on the board for the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, CPYU, and that's where we launched the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. Uh, We're about 35 episodes in. They come out every other Tuesday. And with the goal of just... Uh, equipping and empowering youth pastors and youth workers to use the Bible. Um, that's why we named it what we did. I, I'm a boring youth pastor in terms of names. I've I've cut a lot of names of youth ministries and just called them like, here we are the Old North Student Ministry. We don't have mm-hmm. a fancy name anymore. Nope. Uh, when Walt Mueller and I were deciding what we were going to call uh, this podcast, we were like, what about the word in youth ministry? That's what we want to happen. We want the word to be in youth ministry. Yep. And so uh, myself and uh, two other youth workers, Matt, who is at a church in Texas, and Linda, who is at a church in um, outside or close by Orlando, Florida, uh, the three of us talk uh, about teaching the Bible to students in a variety of settings. So uh, we're excited about that and excited uh, to be here talking with you and what you're doing uh, with Youth Pastor Theologian. Yeah, I'm. I love your podcast and listen to it faithfully, and have benefited from it so many times. And I also resonate with your boring naming of things. Um, yeah, naming your your ministry and your podcast. Youth pastor theologian. Now that if that's not catchy, I don't know what is. Yeah, but everyone knows, or everyone either knows or should know what you're doing. That's why you know. The Old North High School Ministry, uh, we're doing a big outreach event tomorrow night, and uh, everyone who shows up is going to know that, yep. you know, it's not, you know, and if if you're listening and you have a fancy name to your youth ministry, that's awesome. I'm just you. not as creative. Yeah, I'm just not no, as creative. I need to, I need to grow in that, I guess. Yeah. I, I, back in my, in my first church, we tried calling our, our youth group uh, Crosswalk. Mm. But ev- but everyone just kept calling it youth group. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so I was right. like, no, it's crosswalk. It's this double meaning. Like we want to walk in light of the cross, and crosswalks get you across a, a street safely. We want to help them get 
through adolescence and light of the cross, and it's this really cool, clever name. But everyone kept calling it youth group. So eventually, I was like, yes. "All right, we're just EBC youth." And now same, uh, my my current church is just SSBC youth. Like, if everyone's just going to call it this, and I'm forever explaining our clever name, then I should just accept what this is. I agree. I've cut so, three youth group names: yeah. one at a previous church, two here, and. Uh, yeah, we're the Old North Student Ministry with high school ministry and middle school ministry. And if anyone has any questions, it's pretty self-explanatory. It, it is. It is. Well, this episode is not about how to name your youth group, although we probably could actually have a, a pretty interesting conversation about that for a while. Um, but we're going to be talking with uh, Kyle uh, about studying the Bible with students and uh, as we want to... Uh, embrace the word in youth ministry as a central value and calling of what it means to be a youth pastor and a youth worker. I just think it's a really important conversation for us to have together. Uh, but one of the things that we like to do on this podcast before we dive into the topic is to get to know our guests a little bit better by learning about them as teenagers. So Kyle, what was your first car? And uh, tell us a little something about maybe your first car accident or speeding ticket or some first car experiences that you had. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of Honda Civics. My first car with a was a '91 Honda Civic, and this is I was thinking about this last night. Probably soon going to come back in. It was the type of car where when you open the door, the seatbelt, uh, the seatbelt oh, yeah. would cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would yes. go down the track. And so if that's like clothing, you know, comes back in cycle, I'm not sure. But uh, I had a 91 Honda Civic. My brother, is he's a pastor in New Jersey now. Uh, he had it for two years because he's two years older than me. Yeah. And then I drove it for two years. Uh, we took it up. We, we got it used. It was old and had a lot of miles when we first got it. But we took it up over 200,000 miles. But I was thinking about the first time I got pulled over by a cop was actually after a youth group event. Uh, it was a summer event at a park, and I remember I got injured. We were playing wiffle ball or kickball or something, and I remember uh, it wasn't a serious injury, but I was limping. Like at the time, I, I think I hit my knee off someone else or uh, something, yeah, yeah. and as I was leaving the park, a cop followed me in my 91 Honda Civic, pulled me over for speeding, and I was terrified he was going to have me get out of the car and because I was like, I <laughs> can't walk. going to be able to. Yeah. He's going to think but you're drunk. Like, and... You know, even now, the youth, like, I, was, I was at youth group at the park <laughs> back there, and uh, it was dark by the time we left. And, sure, you uh, were a kid. Get in the he, car. <laughs> uh, the, the cop uh, ended up not giving me a speeding ticket, but uh, my Civic must have had a, um, a brake light that was out. And gave me a warning, and I had to get that fixed and go on and prove that I had it fixed or whatever. And that was that. But I still uh, now, uh, as a youth pastor, drive a Honda Civic. And it's kind of interesting thinking about uh, high schooler Kyle and youth pastor Kyle and uh, the similarities and difference. But, yeah, there we are. Nice. Uh, That is so funny. I can totally picture that happening. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I can picture it happening to one of my students leaving youth group, and uh, our uh, the speed limit is twenty five by our church. And uh, I actually got pulled over when I was interviewing here. Uh, I, it was after a long day of interviews, and they pulled me over. And uh, 
gave me a warning and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, here, I'm, I'm interviewing. They're like at the church. I'm like, yes, at the church as a pastor. Uh, and, uh, I can picture that happening to some of my students leaving. So, well, and the thing that gets me is thinking to yourself, I just, I really hope they don't make me get out and have to walk in a straight line. Cause I don't know if I could do that right now. <laughs> oh, that's probably a junior in high school. What a life. Oh, that's so funny. Hershey free church youth group. There we go. Hey, so uh, let's let's dig into uh, Bible study with students here. Um, so uh, I'm interested for you personally, right? Who taught you how to really study Scripture, and what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think that's obviously a good place to start. I think when I think about uh, learning to study Scripture, I think even like just a slight step uh, before that would just be like. Uh, seriousness of scripture, the need of scripture. And that's where I just, uh, you know, youth ministry is so important because it's family ministry. I think uh, I'm just really pondering the influence of my dad on me. Um, we, my dad isn't a pastor. He wasn't a pastor, um, but he takes his walk with the Lord serious. And I just know as a kid, knowing that before work, my dad would spend time with the Lord uh, on weekends, he would um, be out on the front porch reading the Bible or devotional. Um, and I think God just used that um, rhythm of witnessing my dad. You know, they say some things are caught and others are taught. Um, I think it was probably both yeah. where I just realized the seriousness of Scripture and uh, the influence that that had on me. But then also, I just think another thing that God really used was just um, summer camp. You know, I was involved in the youth group and when we'd go away to summer camp, uh, we would be spending time in the Word outside of our normal setting, um, answering questions about Scripture mm -hmm. and, you know, the notebooks they normally would give us at camp that I still um, somewhat can model after some, from time to time and things we do here. Um, just taught me the seriousness of Bible study and uh, or at least the seriousness of the Bible, which I think yeah. has led me yeah. to this passion today. Yeah. Um, so, because one of my concerns... Um, is how many youth workers and parents have this desire to, to teach the Bible and to study scripture with their kids, but they've never been taught how to do that themselves. And so it kind of just feeds this cycle um, of wanting to do something but not feeling equipped to do it so then you don't want to mess it up because you know it's really important so then you just don't do it yeah i i think that's a big danger in our world today and i think that's why uh you know even as we think about youth pastor theologian or center for parent youth understanding or other organizations that are trying to train youth workers uh and youth pastors uh, the need is so great for youth workers, not only to train students how to read the Bible, but to train their parents how to read the Bible so that yeah. they can then model it and teach their kids. And that's why for anyone listening, if you're in youth ministry or considering going into youth ministry, uh, youth ministry needs to be way more than just ministering to students. Because if yeah. we can train parents how to interpret the Bible um, and then they can train their kids, now we're giving them two different angles rather than just one. And I, I just think a big um, problem with the youth ministry landscape we have, um, at least uh, in my region, I, I would say across the country, it would be my guess, is that so many youth workers are quitting youth ministry because they're only focused on their students. 
And although students need to be the priority, right? The adjective youth before the noun pastor, like, like we need to be focusing on the youth. But if we could train the parents in how to interpret the Bible, um, I think that uh, it would give us even more of a variety of, of our influence. Um, And it just reminds me for parents who don't feel like they know enough to teach their kids. um, One quote I've just been really mulling over lately. uh, I believe it's attributed to Alistair Begg. I'm sure he wasn't the first one to say it, but that the main things are the plain things and the plain things are usually the main things that just helping our parents understand you might not need to know all of these fancy terms or theological ideas, but if you can just help your kids know what is the main thing or what is the plain thing in this passage, um, I think that can go a long way. Yeah. And I think one thing that, that I would add to that is a lot of parents in our churches are already part of Sunday school classes or small groups or Bible studies. Hopefully they're already um, in a Bible study group somewhere. Instead of adding something new, um, how can we as youth workers advocate among the small group leaders and, and other ministry leaders in the church to just ask, can you please add one more application question in your small groups? If you're going to ask questions like, now how does this apply at work? Which a lot of Bible studies for adults does, right? Um, can we also ask the question, how does this apply at home? Like, or how would you talk about this scripture passage with your kids at home, right? So that we're not always just adding new programs, but trying to cast a vision church-wide for already ministering to parents where they already are and casting that vision for them to study scripture with their kids at home and to relay the message of their Bible study or Sunday school class or small group or whatever to their kids. Yeah. And at the very least, even if they're not always um, answering that question, at least it's setting their, their eyes towards that question and they're taking what they're learning and thinking about how it transfers to their kids. Uh, Because I, I think you and I would agree. And I think a lot of our listeners here would agree the primary disciplers of kids is their parents. And Absolutely. so if parents can um, continually be trained just to look forward, look down, how can I, how can I explain this to my kid? I think that uh, I think we would reap the benefits for a long time. Yeah, totally agreed. So as we try to do this in, in our ministries, what are some obstacles that can get in the way of Bible study in youth ministry? Yeah, I think uh, three things come to mind there. The first thing is um, just simple, like uh, every kid is different and they're all at different reading levels. Mm, And so when we think of Bible study and when we think of uh, Bible interpretation, I sometimes tell parents and I tell kids, one of the best things you can do to understand the Bible better is pay attention in English class. (laughs) That if you're learning how to interpret um, any type of literature in English class, especially for kids who don't want to pay attention, Um, if you can pay attention in English class and learn how to interpret things, then that will have a direct carryover to the Bible. Um, and not true. only to read the Bible now, but to read the Bible um, hopefully for years to come. Yeah. And so that can be a big barrier um, because um, learning styles are different. Um, um, some students have learning disabilities. And yeah. so when we try to uh, teach the Bible to students, I think that's one big um, object. I think a second um, 
hurdle or obstacle to Bible study is just, um, it takes time, right? We don't become great biblical interpreters overnight, usually. I mean, God can obviously uh, uh, fast track that for some people than others, but that's why youth ministry is so important. We're trying to lay a foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's hard to play the long game if we're always celebrating short-term wins. And I mean, you know, Mike, you've been a youth pastor um, for a long time. I've been in youth ministry. Those listening, um, it's hard sometimes when we're when we're celebrating short term victories uh, to play the long game. But what we're doing is we're trying to set the trajectory. Um, so I'd say that's the second obstacle. And I think third is um, as we've already been talking, um, there's only so much time that we get with students. And so another obstacle um, to Bible study in youth ministry settings can be just be how to utilize time most effectively, um, especially if kids are busy, especially if when they come to youth group, they've been in school all day, then they went to soccer practice, they're eating Chipotle or Chick-fil-A on the way to youth group, and then they're here. Like They only have so much brain width in a day. And so all of those are obstacles that I think can be over. over um, we, we can step over them by the grace of God, but those would be three obstacles to Bible study. Okay. Yeah, those are really good. I want to come back to to this, what, what you said here. It's hard to play the long game if you're always celebrating a short-term wins. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I just think that, um, especially in our culture with social media, uh, and not, not that every youth ministry is using social media, but... Uh, even parents who are posting things about, you know, their kids in sports or academics or um, my child got, you know, maybe like their first job and, and what that looks like is we're so used to seeing success right in front of us on a screen. And it's one thing to say, wow, we had, you know, 30 kids at our youth ministry event. That might have been the most we've ever had or whatever setting you find yourself in. It's one thing to celebrate that and to put a picture of that on social media and get a lot of likes and, you know, maybe get an elder in your church to hopefully share it on Facebook and and so forth. But it's another thing to realize if I can train a kid how to interpret the Bible as a 15-year-old, if they live to 85, they can use these Bible interpretation strategies for the next 70 years and by the yeah. way, in 10 years, they're not going to be a 15-year-old. They're going to be a 25-year-old, and maybe they can become a youth leader. And again, like I just think um, I think we need to be celebrating the short-term wins because I think God gives us, um, at times, ability to see fruit. Um, several years ago, I read um, John Calvin's Institutes. And we read it as a church staff. And my biggest takeaway from that is God is always at work, not just when we see him at work, but he's always at work. And so at times he lets us see fruit. And I think that encourages us, but we can't base ministry only on seeing fruit because God might, uh, God might be doing something that we can't see. And that's why we need to play the long game. I'm a a big proponent of that. We need to, Hmm. um, we need to be playing for, for 50 years from now, not just from one year from now. And that's super hard as a youth worker. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, so I'm just making sure that I, I'm understanding. Cause when you first said it, I was like, that mm-hmm. sounds really wise. And I know Kyle, so I'm sure it is mm-hmm. really wise, but I'm mm-hmm. not following. Um, so now, cause initially I was thinking um, about celebrating short-term wins. Like, so should we not celebrate the good things that kids are able to do? Like, should we not celebrate? Is this like a, anti every kid gets a trophy type of statement. Oh no. So 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 what what I'm hearing you say 
is it, you're talking organizationally, developmentally as your program and ministry. Mm-hmm. So like if you're looking for um, to go viral and trending and you're always looking for the big highlight in your yep. ministry, if you're always looking for a short-term wins overall in your ministry, then you're always only going to do the big things that make a big splash. Yeah. And if you always need to make a big splash in everything you do, and if it doesn't make a big splash that's impressive, then you're not going to just do the basic work of Bible study. Is that what you're saying? For instance, uh, we are about to have a big outreach here tomorrow night. Uh, We we never know who God's going to send, but likely there'll be 150 to 300 kids here, public school kids mainly. And I can post a picture of that on Saturday on social media, and it'll get shared not only by church people, but by people outside the church, and it'll look like a success. And I don't think that's any more important than our Bible reading groups that meet on Sunday morning, where we have um, people who are adults reading the Bible and discussing it with students. If I post a picture of that, it might not get very many shares. It might not look, but I think um, hopefully we'll have more long-term influence by training a kid how to read the Bible. I think both are important and both are necessary, but I just think in youth ministry, we can fall into the trap of only wanting to do things that look like they're fruitful now. When I think training a a student how to read the Bible can have decades of influence. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I like, I still, I'm convinced one of the um, most um, unknown and most fruitful youth workers ever is a guy that Don Carson, D.A. Carson, explains at the end of his book about his dad's ministry, mm-hmm. where he talks about this elderly man, I think his name's Mr. Baird, but I could be wrong, who uh, who read the Bible with his dad yeah. when his dad was a young adult. And I'm just thinking, he had no idea that this guy's son was going to be D.A. Carson <laughs> and was going to influence the evangelical yeah. world. And I'm like, talk about a well... like. No one knows this guy, mm-hmm. but this youth worker, if he wouldn't have taken time to train D.A. Carson's dad, we might have never got D.A. Carson. Obviously, God is sovereign and yeah. God is in control of all that. But I'm just thinking, like, this guy probably died and went to heaven having no idea that, in theory, a kid in his youth group, his son was going to be D.A. Carson. Yeah. So, like, we just need to be playing the long game rather than only going for short-term success. I love that. I love that. Um, so... Could you walk us through some of the basics and nuts and bolts of good hermeneutics? So what is hermeneutics yep. and exegesis and some of these key words? And what does what does good Bible study look like? Yeah, I think that uh, an organization that you and I have talked about before that I think is super helpful, uh, the Charles Simeon Trust, they have uh, workshops across the country and across the world, yep. I guess, yep. on training uh, training preachers. Uh, but really, it's not necessarily a preaching workshop. It's really a, a biblical interpretation workshop yeah. uh, where we're training uh, people how to interpret the Bible so that we can teach it more effectively. Uh, when we think about that and then we translate that to student mini- ministry, we need to be doing um, training them with the, the same type of tools we're training adults with we need to also be training students with. Mm-hmm. So when we think of like exegesis, right, we're taking things that are in the text and we are bringing them out um, and and then learning them and applying them to today. Uh, and I just think that, um, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it's, 
if it is uh, the guy who was at uh, the P- uh, the PCA seminary in St. Louis, uh, Brian Chapel. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's Brian Chapel or Haddon Robinson or who it was, but in, in one of their preaching books, they explained the three rings, explain, illustrate, apply. Mm-hmm. So they um, have that for, uh, for preaching. But when I think of biblical interpretation, I kind of like how that is. Like, let's see what the text actually says first before we apply it today. Because so often too many people go to the application first without actually reading what the text is. And so I think to answer your original question about hermeneutics and exegesis, um, I just think when we're teaching students, uh, the first question we use in our Bible groups is how would you summarize this passage in one or two sentences? Because I want the students first and foremost to know what the Bible says before they think about how they're going to apply it to them, to, to their own lives. That's so good. Yeah, that's really good. And that's something that takes time, right? Uh, but again, tying back to a previous thing, I said uh, they can learn that in English class yeah. from reading all types of different literature. Um, and then hopefully when they have the Bible in their hand, the most important book, they'll be able to, yeah. to summarize it quickly. So explain, illustrate, apply. Um, could you could you very just what do those three words? What do those talk to? As as the Michael yeah. Scott meme says, explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah, I think that, again, and I, I don't know if it was Brian Chapel or Haddon Robinson, but I think it was yeah. one of them in their preaching book. Um, yeah, three rings that I think fit together that the first thing we want to know is what does the text actually say? Yeah. So what does the text say? We're not adding anything to it, eisegesis, where what we're doing is we're taking out of it. We're exegeting the text. Yeah. We're taking what's in the text um, out Second, if we're if we're um, teaching a student, next we want to think of an illustration that that shines light on the text. Mm-hmm. The illustration shouldn't be something, and this is both if you're teaching a large group or if you're just reading the Bible with a kid. We want to think of illustrations that help give light to the text, so that uh, the text now shines and it's it's now um, more memorable. Yeah. Um, in David Helm's book, One to One Bible Reading, that Matthias Media puts out, uh, one of the questions they use in in that book in the Swedish method is what shines or seems important in the text. That's good. So both as we're explaining the text and illustrating the text, the text is always the central thing. Yeah. Any illustration should serve the text, but then third should be application. Once we've thought about the text and we've illustrated the text, now let's think about how it applies to our life. And one thing that we've done here. Um, and it, it, it takes time for students to grow at this competency. But when we get to our application question, which is the fifth question in our Bible groups, I ask, it's actually two parts. How would those who first read the text apply it? And then how should we apply it? I love Because that. I'm trying to train the students yes. to think through, although the Bible was written for us, it was first written to someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did, how did a teenager in the church in Philippi, how should they respond and then how should we respond today? Yeah. I don't think we always get the answers that I'm hoping for. But again, <laughs> if we're playing the long game. But you're game, still training them to think yes, that way. Be, because, yeah. because I'm not looking for perfect answers yep. and short-term success. And like, as I'm saying this, I'm preaching it to myself because it's so easy to be like, we want students who have the head knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, really what I think we're doing in youth ministry as we're training students to read the Bible is we're setting trajectories rather than 
you know, giving trophies away and yeah, like short term, like yeah. memory. And, yeah. and I'm all, you know, pro things like Awana, memorizing scripture, getting yeah. t-shirts, like yeah. fine, but let's, let's not, l- let's change trajectories as we're doing it. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, in, in terms of the youth pastor theologian, I, I generally believe that we have, we have two types of youth workers who we serve. So we have right. um, youth workers who do not have really much formal education or training in biblical theological studies, uh, but they are convinced, uh, utterly persuaded that youth ministry is theological ministry. And so even though I don't have much formal training in this, I want to make sure that I am faithful in my ministry to students, that I'm giving them the Word of God. Um, And so we want to resource those youth workers. On the other side of the spectrum, I think we also have a lot of youth workers who have significant training in education, but the way we learn this stuff in our our seminary courses isn't always going to translate very easily to the youth room when, you know, kids just finished a round of dodgeball or their their ADHD meds have worn off or whatever. Like, how do I teach this high academic stuff that I have studied extensively? How do I translate that to the youth room? Um, So there's one group who probably struggles with the Bible study side of things, Mm -hmm. theological work. The other side probably struggles more with the realistic application side of things. So can you share a little bit about the role of application in Bible study, uh, because I think there are some groups of youth workers who think that um, application is the absolute most important part of Bible study. And there are others who think that the Bible study is the most important part of Bible study, and application is really difficult for them um, and kind of just like a throwaway thing that you make up on the fly. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, how I heard someone say something recently is although the world is black or although the word, the Bible is black and white on issues, we live in a gray world. Yeah. So if we're, if we're communicating something that's black and white to a gray world, we should be able to explain it in a way where we can help them apply it. Yeah. Where we know ultimately, right, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies the word of God to our hearts and changes our lives. But God has always historically given teachers to help to help people understand the Bible and to help them apply it to their life. And so, Mike, what I when, as you were explaining that, like we, we want both, right? We want people who are high on application um, to grow in their Bible study tactics and in their competencies, and we want people who know the Bible to be able to better apply it to students. And I think one way that this is done is as youth workers, we just need to make sure that we're actually spending time with students. That, you know, you can, I heard someone say at one time that if, if and I, I think it's important for us to spend time in our studies, in our offices, reading books. I, I am so thankful that God has given me time to do this. But if we're only reading books all week, when we're speaking to our students, we're probably going to sound way too academic. Yeah. But if we're only spending time with students all week and we're not actually studying, then we're probably going to um, not have as much depth to our teaching. And so this is just, I think, a good reminder for, for all of us in the youth worker community. We, we don't just want to become um, wise in knowing statistics about students. We don't just want to know what's happening in the local news. We actually need to know our people. And if we know our people, 
then we'll be able to better apply it to our people because we'll know where they're at. And, you know, whether you have two kids in your youth group or 20 kids in your youth group or 100 kids in your youth group, um, the goal isn't to know every detail about every student, but every conversation we have with one of them can help us in our application. And I would just even push a little further when we think about application. One way we can know how to apply uh, the Bible to our students is having conversations with parents mm-hmm. because parents can help keep us up to date on what they know about their kids from their perspective. And then we can know how to apply it to them. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think, I think the way you described it is probably right on the, in terms of the youth ministry landscape. And I would just, especially if you're listening to this podcast episode, maybe you're a bivocational youth pastor. Maybe you're someone who didn't volunteer. You've been voluntold, <laughs> go work with the youth. Like, yeah. I don't know where you find yourself yeah. on that spectrum, but if, if that's you, I would just encourage you. Um, God did not require a seminary degree um, in order to be a youth worker. Um, I am a big proponent of seminary. I'm thankful that God allowed me to, to study God's word in that setting. But um, we can all be students of the word of God. And as we grow um, in knowledge of God, um, hopefully we'll grow at being better able to communicate God's word to students. So if you find yourself listening and and you're like, you know what, I haven't been trained. Um, There are so many resources today. Um, One of them being the Charles Simeon Trust um, and others that uh, can, uh, yeah, be be used to help us raise the level of the ministry that we're doing to the students in front of us. Yeah, I'm so thankful for that encouragement. Uh, As as we wrap things up, uh, are there any resources or other... Uh, recommendations that you have for uh, ways that youth workers can continue to develop uh, their their Bible study, uh, their ability to lead students in, in Bible study? Yeah, I think that as we think about youth leaders or youth pastors uh, leading their kids in Bible study, I think it's similar to the same recommendation I you know recently gave some college kids in our church who want to become better teachers. I think the way you improve at this is you actually do it, right? If someone wants to become a better teacher in the church, uh, you know, there's a lot of books you can read on teaching and preaching and, and that are very helpful. But one of the primary ways God grows us is through experience, Mm -hmm. through doing it. And so I would just encourage uh, those who are listening um, that if teaching students how to study the Bible rather than just what's in the Bible is something that you want to grow at, um, First off, it's something that takes time. And second off, it's something that we improve in the more you do it. Yeah. I think that I can better um, disciple students today on how to read the Bible now um, than several years ago when we started our one-to-one Bible reading program. Um, it's just something that grows over time. And so I have to just think um, one or two resources that I would highly recommend is a book that I mentioned earlier, One-to-One Bible Reading by David Helm. Uh, There's a lot of helpful information in there. We've used that as a foundation uh, for our um, Bible reading program. We used to call it one-to-one Bible reading, but we had more students sign up than we had leaders and rooms to put them in in the church. So now we call them Bible groups. Um, But also another angle to this uh, is the Reformed Youth Ministry, uh, RYM. They have something called the, the Track Series. And yeah. uh, there's several books, uh, two of them being a student's guide to justification and a student's guide to sanctification that I just think uh, 
can be helpful to, again, um, the, less about interpreting the Bible because you're actually reading a, a, a theology book. Mm-hmm. But again, I think just growing at the ability to communicate with students about theological terms can help us yeah. when we're teaching kids how to interpret the Bible. Yeah. But I think the key is just having the mindset knowing um, we might at, not see uh, the growth we intend to see right now, um, but we don't know what God's doing. And and hopefully he will He will grow that. Um, and I just think last, Mike, as I think about the, uh, the questions you've been asking me, uh, I think this is how uh, we can actually change the culture in our churches, that if students today can learn how to read the Bible and see it as a normal thing to discuss the Bible with someone else, hopefully as they get older, that will be something normal that they look for in their church. And if they look for a church and they're trying to find a church later on in life and they're not actually even really using the Bible, these kids will then be able to think, well, in youth group, like I was taught the Bible, we read the Bible, I discussed the Bible, I should look for a church that does this. And I just think that as this happens over time, um, Lord willing, God will grow more healthy churches. And this is one small way that we can uh, be part of what God is doing. Man, I love that so much. Hey, Kyle, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast. Thank you for your friendship, uh, for your ministry uh, in your own church and through uh, your your leadership and involvement in CPYU and especially for your podcast. Uh, so the name uh, of your podcast again is? The Word in Youth Ministry. And people can find that? Yeah, you can find anywhere. it anywhere. I, w- I would suggest, I know... Um, Walt Mueller was one of your first guests when you guys launched this podcast. Uh, CPYU.org, Center for Parent Youth Understanding, CPYU.org. Our podcast is located there, but it's also wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, we're thankful to serve the church and thankful to partner with you, Mike, and all you're doing at Youth Pastor Theologian. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.